Nash knocked to the to the outside. There you see the bloody face of the game. Come on, Nash. Son of a bitch. Come on. Come on, we got somebody get in between these two. Another right. This is nothing but a fight. These men are beating the hell out. They're ruining their careers. They're they're swimming their lives and their careers here. Oh, look out, look out. Oh, my God. God, Nash's power took that door right off, his, off the track, that sliding door. Look at Nash, this is sick. I mean, my God. Get him off. We're gonna... Get some more people. Triple H are trying to crawl away. He's trying to crawl away, and they won't mind the bloody face of the game. On, what irony is face running that, that ambulance. They're right down the street. They're outside. They cannot get. Look out, look out, look out. They're outside on the street. They almost got ran over. That's an active street out there. That's not been blocked off. Come on. Come on. Who the hell is that? Somebody. Is that what just a driver of that truck? The driver of that truck just got. Thrown to the concrete, and look at the world's champion getting the hell out of here as far away from Kevin Nash as he can. Just let it go. Come on, man. Just let it go. Come on. Come on, he's gone. Let it go, my God. This is carnage. It is carnage. What a. Oh, God. Ruthless aggression. Welcome to the R Era podcast, the only place where we decipher and dictate the era that rose out of the ashes of attitude and delivered us the main event push of Big Sexy Kevin Nash. Welcome to the John to Judgment Day. This is time for part one of episode 22, where we are going to look at Monday Night Raw as we lead on from Backlash all the way to Kevin Nash's main event run. As always, I am your host, Dave Burnham, and joining me all the way from Cambridge because he's moved down south where they speak posh like he does. One Christian Jennings. How are we doing, sir? Happy New Year. How was the Christmas? How's the move? Yeah, so Christmas is really good. I managed to get a uh, Nintendo Switch uh, with Mario and Zelda. Uh, the move is, my God, it, it, has been, it has been quite stressful, but we've got there in the end and, you know, our room's looking really well. We've got loads of pictures on the wall and everything and it's just, it is nice to have a change i mean i love sheffield as a city don't get me wrong but i just feel i'm at that point in my life now i'm ready for a change and we're doing it to, to save for a mortgage so that's 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 why i'm here but it's uh it's a lot different from sheffield it's a lot warmer uh and it just it's just it's just nice i'm, I'm, I'm happy to be here there was a death unfortunately during uh backlash and this period uh, i think it was the first uh, day after this the first episode of raw uh, one miss elizabeth uh, ex-Mrs. Macho Man Randy Savage. Uh, now, it was reported um, at the time that there was a, a death investigation and what was underway at a home on Riverstone Parkway off Powers Ferry Road that neighbours say belonged to professional wrestler Lex Luger. 
Now, Cobb County police spokesman Bodie Studd, which, by the way, is a fucking phenomenal American name. <laughs> I think it's, it's either Studd or Stored, but even, it doesn't matter, ignore that, his first name is Bodie. That is, what a first name. Uh, Bodie, so Bodie Studd, or Stored, says police responded to a call around 5.30 this morning of a woman sick at a residence. The unidentified female was transported to Kenstone Hospital, where she later died. Uh, Bob Ryder is reporting that the woman who died at Lex Luger's home in Atlanta this morning was indeed Miss Elizabeth, real name Elizabeth Huet. Uh, Luger was the one who called 911 in the early hours of the morning and Liz was taken to hospital where she later passed away. Uh, Luger was questioned and taken into custody this morning. It is known if charges have been filed against him at the time and indications are that no violence was involved. Now Luger's been arrested for possession of body enhancing drugs. Does that surprise you? It's all with Lex Luger. Uh, after police found no. the illegal substances in Luger's home, uh, right now this arrest is not related to the death of Elizabeth Hullet, who was rushed to hospital from Luger's home. Uh, and then a later report, it came out by WSBTV.com, uh, it reported that the death was uh, believed to have been an overdose. Police have ruled out any foul play in the death, despite reports of a domestic dispute between Luger and Elizabeth on Easter Sunday. Uh, Luger was brought in for questioning by police but was released earlier today. The true cause of death won't likely to be determined until the results of the toxicology reports come in. However, the results will take around 30 days. Just, just, I just remember when it happened at the time. Um, it was just really sad. Uh, it was just another one that um, we spoke about before. and I, I've always said I don't believe that anybody walked into the world of professional wrestling in the 80s and the 90s and thought... Instantly, I want to be in there because I want to be getting hooked on steroids and painkillers and all this nonsense. I just think it's the it's the atmosphere and it's just the you're just around it all the time. You get sucked into that world, and before you know it, you look how many that have passed away. And Elizabeth's just another one that was taken far too before her prime, uh, and she is one for me. Miss Elizabeth is one that doesn't kind of get enough recognition as like the first proper lady of professional wrestling. Did she did did she ever did she wrestle? Uh, it depends what you classify as wrestling. I think she had a, a couple of mixed tag matches with Randy back in the eighties, uh, where she may have had storylines with like Sherry Martel. But I don't believe I, I can't try to put my name on any exact matches. But I don't. She wasn't like a uh, anywhere close to a uh, even a Tory Wilson to that extent. You know where she's not a wrestler. She is eye candy. Uh, Miss Elizabeth was purely a manager. She was purely Randy Savage's manager, and obviously Hulk Hogan's manager, and used in various storylines. But it was when she went to WCW, uh, she was just a, a shadow of a former self in WCW, uh, just like a generic 99% generally of the 80s wrestlers were uh, when they were in WCW during the the late 90s. Uh, and she was just one that you could just you could just see them going. At, you, every week you'd see Aaron Lex would come out on TV, and you just look at the look at the state of them both. They just looked haggard and saddened, and they just needed a cuddle and a cup of tea. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I agree with that. Um, I, do, I mean, me personally, I'm, I'm not like I wasn't familiar with WWE in that time period. Um, so, like, obviously, I know who Miss Elizabeth is. I know, I know exactly who she is, but I never really watched at that time. So for me, it wasn't like you know, I, I, it's not like I was going to get upset about it. But it's still sad that she wasn't. She wasn't that old, and, and she ended up passing away too early. And um, it's it's just sad. It really is. And it, unfortunately, it's it's not the first, and it and especially in our timeline, it's definitely not going to be the last. No, that's that's one of the the scary things is we we see the um, the butt end really of the 
the, the big crop of the 80s, uh, the 70s and 80s guys, unfortunately, passing away. Uh, and I, I can guarantee every month we're probably going to have somebody that from that period of time we're reporting on uh, who's unfortunately passed away. Uh, but anyway, moving on, um, moving on, let's park the bus with Miss Elizabeth and um, yeah, rest in peace. For me, she was the first lady of professional wrestling. Would you like a little bit of wrestling news uh, before we get stuck into Raw and SmackDown? Uh, Batista, Go on then. Batista is one that we've uh, we've not seen, as we discussed on last episode. He got injured in that match along with Randy Orton. Well, Batista has re-injured his injury. Uh, obviously, he's been out since March the 1st with a torn tricep. Uh, he's now retore the muscle earlier this week where he fell running with his wife. Uh, and he's going to be out for another four months. That doesn't surprise me <laughs> at all. It doesn't surprise me. I look at the size of Batista. Like, you know this guy's on steroids. He's on he's on some form of drug to be that big at, that, at this point in his, his career. Um, and that, people do say when you're on those sort of drugs, things, weird things happen. Yeah, yeah. Certain things uh, grow in certain places, etc. Uh, rock, 1998, nine, boob job, like that we discussed over the WrestleMania episode. Just uh, waiting for like his his fucking wait, waiting for his eyeball to fall out at some point. <laughs> um, also, there are rumours going around that Jim Ross may be stepping aside as head of WWE talent relations uh, by the end of the summer. Some believe that Ross is being pushed to the side by John Laurinaitis or Johnny Ace to those that remember his terrible wrestling from the se- from the 70s and 80s. Um, <laughs> uh, Johnny Ace has been gathering more support backstage uh, since arriving in WWE, but apparently it's Ross's choice to step down, though he will still be announcing with the WWE despite a reduced backstage role. Now, more news has also been uncovered on the release of Jeff Hardy from the WWE. Now, a rumour going around the locker room is that WWE management gave Hardy a choice between being released or getting checked into drug rehab. There are also stories going around that Hardy hasn't saved up enough money, um, so basically he can't afford to just sit on it, sit on his backside at home. Um, however, Hardy's been telling close friends that he's not interested in flying all around the US as an indie wrestler and would rather just stay at home working on his music. It's also been reported that NWA TNA have been trying to reach out to Hardy ever since his release to offer him a position at the company, but they've been able to get in touch with Hardy. Could you see Jeff and TNA? Would it re- right? We've discussed, and obviously we did our little review of TNA, and I dip into TNA every now and again. But Jeff Hardy is the, the the Jeff Hardy that we've seen on the TV. He doesn't need to be pushed on TV as a wrestler. He needs sorting out. I think that's that's the problem with Jeff Hardy. It takes so long for Jeff Hardy to get straight in the head because he's not given enough time to just walk away and you know, go into rehab or, or just just take time away from wrestling because he spends, I think he spends it all I, on drugs. Yeah, but I think the with Jeff Hardy, you just He's one of those sort of people that like he's 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 a he's a he's a, he's a peacock and he has to spread his his his, his flowers his wings he has to it, sorry, flowers he's a peacock and he needs to spread his wings you know yeah and I think he's one of those sort of guys that you can't really you can't help and he's happy being in his own world and he's he's happy with his his drugs and he's happy with his music and you just gotta let him get on with it I suppose but then from a company standpoint you can't let him get on with it because Obviously, take TNA for example. When he had that match against Sting, exactly. That's that. That's you know. That's that shows that sometimes you've got to have a bit of a leash on him. But it's it's tit for tat, really. I mean, me if I was if I was Jeff Hardy's manager or if I was Vince McMahon to Jeff Hardy, I'd be like, yeah, do do what you need to do, kid. But just make sure you turn up straight the day you, you're performing. And if you can't, don't turn up, and I'll just cut your pay. Something like that. I don't know. I just when Jeff Hardy is. 
100% creative with his character and he's, you know, on the ball. You, you've seen some of the stuff he can do. And, you know, that, that guy, he's, he's a high flyer. He's charismatic. Uh, he, he's a musician. He, he's got all the, all, he's, he's so athletic. He's classified musician because I won't put him, he makes noise. Like, I won't say he's a musician. Yeah. He makes he's, noise. He, to you, play, yeah, maybe, but play an instrument. <laughs> to you, to you, maybe, but other people, such as myself, I think it's artistic music. Oh, he's an artist. Okay. Jeff Hardy is an artist. He's an artist, just like Shinsei Nakamura. He's an artist, and all, yeah. No, no, he's not, he's not an artist. He's he's just some Japanese guy. <laughs> he's Tajiri of 2017. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. And it's turned that way, and it's terrible that it's turned that way. It really is. Uh, like, I... If Nakamura would have been pushed the right way, he should have been seen as like. He could take on Brock Lesnar and he could beat Brock Lesnar legitimately. He could. His kicks and his punches and his strikes are that strong that he Mate, could legitimately knock out Brock Lesnar. Right, that's I how they should have built it. No, look I, at the state of him. He's Randy Orton's fucking running buddy. I can't wait for the Royal Rumble. I cannot wait for the Royal Rumble when all the fanboys kick off when he doesn't win the Royal Rumble. Oh, Nakamura's not, I, getting eliminated early, though. He's, I Nak can't see how Nakamura is just another generic fucking foreigner in the eyes of Vince McMahon. It really yeah, is. He's, not it's terrible. Terrible. he's not winning the Royal Rumble. If, it'd be nice to see him if he does, because he is one of the more talented indie guys on the roster. I think, he, but he seems like the only ones he ever seems to have got a, an eye for is Kevin Owens. Vince adores Kevin Owens. Uh, mm. But, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I just, yeah, Nakamura, it is for me, it's Tajiri, it's Funaki. Uh, but finally, uh, a little bit more news before we do move on. Uh, Tory Wilson and Billy Kidman have uh, set a wedding date for 25th of July, five days, five days after my birthday. How? How has Billy Kidman managed to, to score her? I do he not know. He must have a footercock. <laughs> he must have a big wang. Simple have. as. Billy Kidman must have a foot of penis. But anyway, <laughs> let's park that there. Are you ready to get in some Monday Night Raw as we build on to Judgment Day? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Now get the cards, the drugs From my generation, I'll take the fall The state, no cross the nation And it's a sex, the cards, the freaks, the fraud They're messing with me Come on, come on, come on Let's get it out So it's the April the 28th, 2003 episode of Raw We're from the Fleet Centre in Boston, Massachusetts We're opening with Chris Jericho He's here to save us from Piper's Pit By debuting his own segment the high light reel. Now, did you notice that it was spelt differently in this first episode? It was H-I and then hyphen and then L-I-T-E reel. Why? I don't know. But it soon changes. Right? <laughs> I think everybody soon realises that it's fucking pointless. Because uh, every week going forward, uh, well, so far, it's changed to actually what we know it as with the highlight reel. I don't, I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense. But anyway... And his first guest is none other than Big Bully Bill himself, Goldberg. Uh, they talk a little bit about their past history, uh, which was quite funny. Uh, was uh, always talking about back in WCW where Goldberg had refused to fight Jericho. Uh, and obviously they had their little bit of backstage kerfuffle back in the day in, in WCW. And I always like that when they go a little bit off kayfabe and always uh, a little bit back to how it used to be. Everyone, everyone knows what happened in the real life. I always like when wrestlers go back in promos to them little moments. Yeah. I mean, I... You know, I, you, you couldn't, I couldn't imagine Jericho beating up Goldberg. Yeah, but it's, it's one of them where Goldberg might, he might look mean on camera, but 
It's one of them where I don't know. I don't know. Jericho's not a small dude. Yeah, but, I mean, he's, well, but he's, Goldberg's bigger. Yeah, but it's, it's we're not. It's not like we're talking about like a guy that's six foot, a guy that's like five foot three going up against a guy that's six one. Like Jericho's six foot mm. or so. I know Goldberg is yeah, obviously so. maybe two or three inches bigger than that, but you're still talking guys that are over six foot. All you got to do is spear him. <laughs> I don't know if that has any effect, you know. <laughs> you know, just a proper Mate, take somebody out. I've been speared before on in my friend's back garden. He speared me. I wasn't expecting it, and I couldn't catch my breath for at least ten minutes, at least. I, that spears really hurt when the real spears hurt. Well, apparently Goldberg is going around like a big shot and spearing people for no reason. And Jericho <laughs> wants to know why. Before he can answer, Christian interrupts uh, and he points out that half the arena was booing him last night. Goldberg is just fine with booing because the people paid to see him and they can do whatever they want. It's like Cena. That's yeah, like 2017 was... Cena. Boo me if you want, I don't care. As long as you're here, it don't matter. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, That's probably where John Cena got it from. Took some tips on Goldberg. <laughs> uh, but it's not threatening each other. Uh, but Jericho tries to play the voice of reason, pointing out that none of the boys in the back want Goldberg in the WWE anyway. So Christian brings out the Jobber Brigade of three-minute warning, Victoria and Stevie Richards, as proof that nobody in the back wants Goldberg. So Goldberg is all like, bring it! <laughs> He's like, and they bring <laughs> it. And of course, they all abandon Stevie Richards, who gets killed. No, seriously, this is a legitimate question that he poses. This is a legitimate question. I mean, the word on the street... The scuttlebutt in the locker room is that nobody wants you here in the WWE. That's what I've heard. No, that's exactly right, Chris. Nobody wants him here, and I'm not the only one that thinks it. In fact, let me introduce you to a few people right now. If you will, come on out here. Come out here right now. Let's go. Have you heard that in the locker room, Coach? I haven't heard it, but wow, look at this contingency. You see all these people right here? Well, they have absolutely nothing in common except for one thing. We all think that you don't belong in the WWE. Wow. Wow. I mean, you just show up. This crowd is chanting Goldberg. I, I think they, they think he belongs they here. They sound like they want him. You just show up and you walk into a main event on a pay-per-view? Please! Each and every one of these people deserve that spot before you, and especially me! I'm a nine-time tag team champion, damn it! I'm a former Intercontinental Champion! I'm a former European Champion! I'm a former Hardcore Champion! Hey! hey. It's plain and simple, okay? Any of you punks got a problem, you bring your ass down here in the ring and do something about it. Yes, yeah, do something about it. Uh-oh. We're not scared of you, Goldberg. Guys, let's go down here and show Mr. Goldberg just how welcome he is around here. Well, here, here they come. They are mad, and here they come, and they are coming. They throw Stephen Victoria. Look at Goldberg. Jamal Trent, and here comes Stephen Richards. Stephen, 
Everybody else is getting in the ring, though. They've all stopped. Steven, look, where are you guys? Where's Christian? Oh! Goldberg defeats Steven Richards. Now, for me, this was like, is Vince now realizing that people, maybe that's what they want to see? They want to see WCW Goldberg. They don't want to see him going up against people like The Rock and whatever. They want to see Goldberg destroying jobbers. Uh, and let's, let's get Goldberg over with people that are less familiar with him, as we discussed before. Uh, obviously, you're familiar, guys. They're used to seeing Goldberg no matter what. But those less familiar ones, let's show them what Goldberg was famous for back in the day. Killing people in seconds. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Mate, absolutely. That's that's what I've said before. I say it over and over again. That's why I love Goldberg. That's what he's that's what he's good for, man. He's just beat up the jobbers, beat the crap out of him. You know, five minute matches. Don't see him gas. When he had the match against The Rock, we saw Goldberg's weakness. That's the first time I think anybody's seen Goldberg's weakness because he never had long matches. No. No, that was, never. that was the thing. That was the thing. We don't want to see twenty minute matches out of Goldberg. He doesn't have the move set to do a 20 minute match. So Absolutely no. So our first match of the night then is the Hurricane. He goes up against Val Chief Venus Morley. Uh, Morley goes up and misses the money shot towards the end of the match, and the Hurricane hits the overcast for the clean pin in around five and a half minutes. Now, for me, this was the kind of the win that the Hurricane needs. He doesn't need fluke roll ups about over main eventers. He needs to actually go over with his finisher over guys in his division, in his level. Uh, that to make him look like the star that he should be, and not the bit part player in main event feuds. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Hurricane. He's that, he does how he, how he how he should be portrayed. He shouldn't be portrayed as some, you know. That the thing is with Hurricane, he's not he's not helped himself by having the Hurricane gimmick to start with. So instantly, everybody's not going to take him seriously when he's wearing a mask and a bloody cape. But you saw how over he got with The Rock. And Austin just before Mania, and you just you want to see him. You you want. I think the fans get. I've got behind him now, and I'm definitely behind him. And I want to see him win. I want to see him get a title at least, some some form of title. No, exactly, exactly. I, I, but there isn't a title, obviously. Spoiler alert: there's one coming back in a minute. <laughs> but obviously, <laughs> at this point, there isn't a title. Uh, there isn't anything unless he gets a tag team partner, which obviously that's that's a little bit further down the line. Uh, but the, obviously you had that bit with Kane, but Kane's now with RVD. Uh, there's nothing really for Hurricane or any one of the mid-carders to do in on Raw. Um, the, where, where SmackDown differs is their mid-carders are kind of involved in tag teams, the light heavyweight division, or intermingling with the main eventers. There's no kind of just spare random matches on SmackDown, I don't feel. Everything's kind of got an end goal. And it always has, that's where SmackDown's always kind of won at the minute. Raw's purely about the, what's going off in the main event and what's going off within the commissioner or the GM or whoever's running the show. Yeah. Meanwhile, we go backstage and Ric Flair is kissing Triple H's ass and Triple H returns the favour. Feel the love, people, because tonight they challenge for the Raw Tag Team titles. And we get Theodore Long and Rodney Mack comes out for another five-minute white boy challenge. Uh, Rodney Mack, he defeats said random white boy and finishes him off in less than two minutes. And then Long then brings out Jazz for a celebration. Uh, I don't know if this is to give some sort of rub to Rodney Mack. I don't know if this is, they're hoping that it's going to get him over, giving him time what they're doing like with Ryback many, many, many years later by just having him come out and destroy random nobodies week after week after week. Uh, can it work? Does it work? No. Will it work? <laughs> no. Look, look at Rodney <laughs> Mack. Look at him. He's not, there's nothing, there's, 
There's you nothing about him, is there? There's nothing yeah. about him. He's plain and boring. And just... He's not... For a start, he's not black enough. For me, he's not black enough. And the second the second bit is he's... He's got... He, he hasn't got that good a physique, if you ask me. Not really. Mm. And he's just got a silly little piercing on his eyebrow. That's just... That's it. There's not. There's nothing special about him. Ryback had decent clothes, like a decent attire. He had a catchphrase, which was, you know, people could get behind. It did get older, yeah, to be fair. Feed me more, rather than down with the brown. <laughs> oh, it's, no, it's... I don't fucking... The Mac is black or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you can't, get, you can't get little kids running around saying that, can you? Well, Jazz is believed that. So we know what Jazz is, but I don't know if Mac's got... Yeah, Attack of the Mac or something. Return of the Mac. No, Jazz is... The bitch is back and the, and bitch, the bitch is, is black. black. <laughs> the bitch is back and the bitch is black. Believe that. <laughs> <laughs> so we go backstage. Eric Bischoff is on the phone. And then the camera pans and we just see the midriff of Trish Stratus. Sounds like a great weekend. I really don't want to miss it. And I'm going to have to call you back in a bit. Trish, it's so good to see you. Thank you. Listen, I need to talk to you about a rematch. I want a rematch against Jazz. Look, Trish, I know how you feel. I know what a competitor you are. But you also know, as well as I do, there's no rematch clause in the contract. I know, I know, Eric. But you saw what happened last night. I got screwed by Teddy Long. Okay, I'll do whatever it takes. I deserve a rematch. I mean, honestly, did you see last night? Whatever it takes. In that case, I think I can solve your little problem. Not a big dilemma. What if I were to give you a match tonight okay. against, uh, let me think, me? You? Yeah, me. No, think about it. Think about this. You and I in a ring. You're the athlete, okay? You beat me, no problem. Next week, right here on Raw, you versus Jazz for the world title. You have my word. Against you. Yeah. All right. All right. Hmm. Fine. I like it. And since I also like getting what I want every once in a while, if you lose to me tonight, mm-hmm. well then, let's just say you and I will spend some little quality time together. I mean, if you think you got screwed last night by Teddy Long, <laughs> you and I leave here tonight, we head over to my hotel room. What do you think? Beat you tonight. Beat me tonight. Title shot. Or spend the night. It's your call. I'll be beating you tonight then. I'll see you in the ring. Mm. Right, so uh. No matter how WWE come across it, it's always perverted with their divas in backstage segments. Uh, Trish comes in and she wants a rematch for the woman's title. Uh, Bischoff says there was no rematch clause and Trish says she will do anything. So Bischoff challenges her to a match. And if Trish wins, she will get her rematch. But if Bischoff wins, he's basically saying I get a fuck. <laughs> Would you imagine having sex with Eric Bischoff? Would you imagine somebody said in a storyline, I've got an idea, Bish? I don't understand. Where does this come from? What is up with Vic? Because Joe, back in the Attitude Era, everyone blamed it on Russo. Everybody blamed it on Russo. All these stupid ideas and having Val Venus, pornographic character, his name rhymes with penis and all that. Russo gets all the stunk. Like, Russell's not here no more. 
And we're having racial yeah. storylines. We've had Al Wilson getting fucked to death. We've had <laughs> we've had Katie Vick getting killed in a car and then getting fucked in the crematorium. We've now got this bullshit, man. If I beat you up, guess what? <laughs> I'm getting some. I'm sorry. Uh, this is fucking ridiculous. Like, I, I'm seriously had enough of this shit. <laughs> like, and oh, 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 the one we forgot. Sorry, you're not going to win the world title. Oh, why is that? Oh, because you're black. You know yeah, it's 2003, 2002. Not not that good a year. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's their demographic, isn't it? Yeah, perverts. People like Michael. Yes. People like Michael. Uh, so our next match of the night is Kane and Rob Van Dam against Evolution of Ric Flair and Triple H for the World Tag Team Titles. Um, Ric Flair towards the end of the match he gets the figure four on Kane. Uh, Rob Van Dam breaks it up with Rolling Thunder. But Triple H gets rid of him and pedigrees Kane. Of course, it wouldn't be over if not for Kevin Nash saving the champions by chasing Triple H away with the sledgehammer. Uh, God bless Kevin Nash. And we cut away from the match now and follow Nash's chase of Triple H to the back. Uh, and they return to Flair alone against the champions, who quickly finish him off around 15 minutes. Which shows kind of where the power really lies in evolution. Because Triple H was about to single-handedly win the tag team titles. But once his useless partner was left alone, he became hopeless and he had no chance of beating Rob Van Dam and Kane. No, of course, no. It's um, evolution, man. They're, they're, it's the same as anybody. You take uh, Shields, for example. Take away Roman Reigns, Shield of Shit. Take away Seth Rollins, the Shield of Shit. Evolution, take away Triple H, take away Batista Orton. They're only one man, you know, one on two. They're only, the stables are only good when they're big numbers. When the, when the head, I suppose when the head guy's there. Oh, like, yes, no, but like I said, if Triple H was there on his own, like I said, Triple H was single-handedly about, Ric Flair was, had been knocked away, he was single-handedly about to win the titles. But the minute Triple H is not there, and it's Ric Flair single-handedly, he can't cope. But no, then we go... Don't... We cut to backstage and Triple H is running to his limo, but Nash attacks it with a sledgehammer. And it takes about eight whacks of the sledgehammer to break the window. Now, he should have took tips from Goldberg. Use your fist, pal. Just punch it. You might <laughs> bust your wrist open and it might do you for six months, but use your wrist, you'll get through it eventually. Well, Triple H... Watch it. Kevin Nash could be anywhere. There he is! There he is! He's still back there! Oh, Triple H... Now hopping in that limousine. Oh, oh, hey, got the got the re yeah. <laughs> Kevin Nash. Oh my God. Is he crazy? Our next match of the night. Scott Steiner and Test versus Christopher Nowinski and Rico. What a fucking weird combination of match. See, <laughs> this is what you've got. You've got a mid-card with no title, nobody to go for, but a shitload of people in the mid-card. Yeah. But look at the fall from grace of one Scott Steiner. I keep saying it, that continuing fall from grace. He was, a great, he was against Rico in the heat match, and now he's teaming with Test. Well, I don't know. I'm, I don't know who I feel worse for, Test or Steiner, to be honest. Test! you got a fucking lump about with that reckless thing next year. Yeah, you've got, well, you've got to put, look at both the situations. Scott Steiner was in the main event. Now he's been chucked back with Test. And Test, he was a pervert. Um, he was also part of the Un-Americans. I said this way back when we started. Test doesn't get a singles run. He can't get one. 
Always gets paired with somebody. Well, the thing is, though, with Test, Test was looking good when he was put with Stacey Kleebler. Things were looking good. Uh, and then, all of a sudden, uh, he decides to not show up for that one episode, uh, that episode of Raw. And there you go, bang, straight away. He's, he's booted from the pay-per-view, and he's just been a downward spiral ever since. All Test has been doing over the last few months has been perving over the fact that Tory Wilson was in fucking Playboy. Mm. That's, all, that's all that's been going on. Absolutely nothing else has been going on apart from that in Test's world. But Scott Steiner does get the victory for Team Royd uh, with his new <laughs> with his new slop drop finisher in around four minutes, and then they finally here Vince's ref and his best mate, otherwise known as La Resistance, otherwise known as two bell ends in shit shirts, have finally arrive on Raw as they interrupt Steiner's post match promo and viciously speak French at the audience. We're coming to WWE to teach you Americans a lesson. Uh, Rene Dupree notes that since they're French, they're lovers. And then Steiner beats on them for their Frenchiness. And proceeds beat, and then they proceed to beat him down. Now, I, I, like you said, I'm kind of almost feeling sorry for Scott Steiner. Uh, he has gone from main event. Granted, it wasn't great. There's been a lot worse, but it wasn't great in his main event run with Triple H. But now he's getting beat up by these two French dudes. Well, they need, yeah, I know. What's up? You've got to have somebody to take... Let, get let, get them over because they're, they're sort of like their debut isn't it yeah but going after I don't understand though it's their debut surely they should be going after the tag champions maybe maybe had had, had them once they Kane and Rob Van Damme had beat Triple H and Flair uh, had that was the moment then well you've got a point there mate you have got a point but I don't I don't I don't know I don't I don't know why they wouldn't it's just storylines I don't know maybe Fucking stupid logic. That's what it is. Mm. Meanwhile, coinciding. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, Booker T and Goldberg uh, they meet backstage. Uh, well, basically, what happened to Goldberg being all for himself and beating on anyone who got in his face? His character in WCW. Now, forgive me if I'm wrong. Uh, it worked because he was the psychotic loner who didn't do these little cutesy poo segments with other baby faces and didn't let. Other little baby faces come and put blonde wigs on their head. What got Goldberg over was his silent killer. It was the fact that he could strike at anywhere. He wouldn't say nothing to nobody. He'd just come, spear Jack, I'm a boss, win, fuck off. Yes. They're trying to absolutely. turn him, They're trying to turn Goldberg into an like into a character, into a person. No, that's that's not what Goldberg was. Goldberg wasn't a thing. Goldberg was this myth that came out and kicked fuck out of you before you realised and he was gone again. Hmm. I, I couldn't agree more with Goldberg. I don't like the fact that they're having cheesy, funny backstage segments with him. It just like it was instantly as soon as Gold Gold Dust puts his wig on his head, I'm like, really, really, is this what they're going for? I know it is good to they like to WWE for some strange reason. Like, like can you remember? I don't know about two, three, four years ago now when they had people like Ryback come out to the ring and just tell people about their life story. Um, can you remember that? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot you don't know about me, why I stand here, where I do today. I don't, and, and, and the reason for that is to try and get people to, I don't, I don't know, get out. sorry for them. Maybe just, I don't, uh, yeah, connect with them on more of a personal level. I don't, I don't understand it, and I don't get why they do it. They, but again, like you said, BCW, Vince McMahon shits on it all the time, so. It's, yeah, it's anything that's not his product, he doesn't like, simple as. 
Uh, so we move on. Uh, Booker T defeats Christian by DQ in around five minutes. Uh, the match wasn't going anywhere. And then three-minute warning running to try and beat up Booker T. But he is saved by Goldberg. Look at Goldberg playing with the mid-card. <sighs> there is a good spear, to be fair. Goldberg hits a lovely spear on Rosie through the barricade. But this is Goldberg who made his debut match and his debut feud with The Rock. With The Rock. And he's now messing about with Christian and three-minute warning. And what the fuck have three-minute but- warning been doing for the last three months? Yeah, but who the hell? Who the hell else can Goldberg mess around with? That, this is my issue. This I, I totally do agree there. Uh, when I were writing my notes, I were arguing with myself because there, there's no main event. If you look at all the main event uh, that's been on Raw, have been involved with Triple H, and the, we've said it before. The minute you're not involved with Triple H, no more, you're not in the main event anymore. Yeah. Kane, Rob Van Dam, Booker T, the Scott Steiner. These were all guys that were going for the world title in the last five months. Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels, Chris Jericho, but no, Chris Jericho and Shawn Michaels are involved in somebody else's feud with yeah. Nashville. Like, Chris Jericho is doing nothing. You should add him against Chris Jericho. I, I thought having the opening segment with the um, with the highlight reel would have been the way of setting up uh, Goldberg and Jericho. But no, Jericho is still Triple H's fucking little running buddy because his evolution buddies keep injuring themselves. And none of it just makes any sense, which is why he's in the mid card. But then we get. We'll move on. We get to our main event of the evening. Eric Bischoff against Trish Stratus in a woman's title shot versus Night with Bischoff. No disqualification match. Um, Bischoff is mocking Trish Stratus. Uh, Trish, she gets a couple of shots in, but then Victoria runs in. But as it's no DQ, so the match continues, Trish frights her off. But then Jazz runs in. and Bless her, Trish. She's getting a batter in. Um... Eric Bischoff is calling out all sorts of names under the sun, but then he calls off the attack because he wants her to stay conscious. <laughs> oh my god. He makes a couple more lewd remarks and then gets the pin in around three and a bit minutes. However, a limousine pulls up and Linda McMahon is here to liven up the show. And she starts talking about the board of governors and Eric tries sucking up, but Linda doesn't think that he's fit to be GM. The mysterious board have decided to appoint a co-GM for Raw in the form of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Wham! What? Stunner! Good night, Vienna. Eric Bischoff, a stunner to end the Raw. Now, going forward for me, this is quite a fun angle, but I'm just worried that I'm not going to enjoy it as much as I did back in the day. Yeah, this is... Uh, I mean, I remember, I'm happy... To be fair, I do know it's going to be quite fun going forward. Because on these episodes of Raw, it was piss funny, and uh, I've already kind of watched a bit of Judgment Day, and I remember all the backstage segments of Judgment Day with all the drinking and stuff, and that was pretty good, pretty funny. Uh, but I, I don't know. I'd, I want to see Austin in the ring. I'd either want to see him in the ring or not at all. I think back in yeah. 2003, I was marking out because my favorite, one of my favorite guys, was back on TV. Mm. I think. I mean, what I think is yes, they're keeping Austin on TV. They're keeping him relevant. Um, what for though? We're keeping relevant for what? <laughs> That's the thing. Hoping he may return. I don't know. Maybe uh, it's Austin, isn't it? He, he's, he's, he's. I think at this point in his career, he's still got the itch. He's, oh, I hell think yeah. he's. I think he's very much like Daniel Bryan at this point in Daniel Bryan's career as well. Well, you know he can't, but he's desperate too. Yes. So he just gets involved, no matter which how which way possible he can. Yes. Yeah. No, I'd, I'd agree. I would agree. Uh, but it's just, I think it's one of them though, this, this co-GM, it's just a recycled angle 
of all these like. Remember CEO Austin in 1999, where Linda yeah, McMahon the brought, yeah, when she brought him in uh, to to bring a bit of attitude to the office and stuff. And you've got all these segments of. Uh, like uh, Austin in a board meeting, firing people and drinking beer, getting everyone pissed in that. Uh, and I'm just, I, I, I should have that that's how I'm going to see it again going forward because I've watched that stuff back as an adult. I've watched the stuff back when he was CEO back in 99. And it's a bit cringeworthy with some mm. of it, just for how bad the acting is and stuff. And I'm just hoping that this doesn't tarnish your memory, just like it has for 99% of the stuff that I thought I enjoyed. You make my job here tonight so easy. Uh-oh. See, your actions this past month, including tonight, are unprofessional. Well, I would just like uh, to try to explain it. Abusive. Abusive? I don't know if I'd go that far. I mean... I, harassing. Uh-oh. For sure, harassing. And, Eric, dare I say... Bordering on egomaniacal. We just saw that a few moments and, ago. In fact, Derek, there are some members of the board who don't think you're fit to be general manager at all. Uh oh, he's getting the pink slip. There he goes. Let me at least try to explain. No, no, no. Let me, let me finish here, Eric. However, the board has reached a compromise. Uh oh, compromise. Compromise. Starting tomorrow morning, a new general manager will share your duties and responsibilities on a 50-50 basis. 50-50 basis? Ms. McMahon, I don't know what the, how does that work? What do you mean 50-50 well, basis? I think you're going to have to make it work, Eric. You see, the new general manager is co-general manager is someone who probably even has more in tune with the audience today. Nope. Someone nope. who's sensitive. sensitive. I'm sensitive. Someone who knows the difference between right and wrong. Who, who, who could that be? Who could that and be? And Eric, I dare say, someone who will keep you in line. Who is this co-general manager? Sure, she'll tell us. So let me just stop all the suspense. Here we go. And bring out the new co-general manager of Raw. <laughs> oh, no. oh my God! It's not even being serious. Oh, it's true. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Stone Cold Steve Austin is a new. Co-general manager of Raw! Look at the look on Eric Bischoff's face! So let's get on then to the second episode of Monday Night Raw as we lead on to Judgment Day. We are at, it's the May the 5th, uh, we're at the Metro Centre in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Uh, your commentators, as always, uh, is uh, Jerry Lawler and the returning Jim Ross, which we'll get into in a few seconds' time. Uh, Stone Cold comes out with a briefcase in his hand to kick off the proceedings. Uh, Austin starts by thanking Linda for offering him the job and getting him out of the house. To celebrate tonight, we're having the biggest beer bash in the history of Monday Night Raw. Now, for business end of things, there were some stupid things that happened while he was gone, including the Intercontinental title being abolished. Therefore, at Judgment Day, there's going to be a battle royal 
and the winner will be the Intercontinental Champion, which Austin pulls out of the briefcase, and this earns Austin a massive Austin chant, as he says that all former champions are eligible to enter the Battle Royal. Now, this got me thinking. Right, there's not that many former eligible Intercontinental Champions on the Raw roster. No, no, no. Because... <laughs> no, not all. There's fuck all. There is... I was thinking about this. So, you've got Kane, RVD, Jericho, Christian, What's Triple it? H, but that's he's not going to enter. He's, um, he's, he's very... Right. Lance Storm, Val Venus, Regal, but he's injured. Has Lance Storm been Intercontinental Yeah, he's him and Edge. I'm sure him and Edge had a, a, a set over the Intercontinental Championship back in the Invasion, or, or coming out of the Invasion, like the SummerSlam maybe. But there's not many. Um, like if you think of how many is actually on SmackDown, there seems there's more on SmackDown than there is on, on Raw. You, you'd think they would have opened it up to anybody, uh, to everybody, but obviously it's just a Raw brand thing, but it, it is good for me anyway, because uh, I have whinged, bitched and moaned like a little girl since they've taken away the IC belt. So for me, it's great to have the IC belt back. Yeah, of course, it gives them, it gives all the wrestlers a purpose, gives them something to chase rather than, you know, you know trying to chase the World Heavyweight Championship. Like, they're not going to get anywhere near. So it's good for them to chase something else. No, definitely, definitely. Um, Eric Bischoff and Val Venus come out. Uh, Eric reminds Austin that they're partners and a decision like this uh, with the return of the IC title should be a mutual decision. Bischoff brings up that he was the one that abolished the title in the first place and doesn't seem happy that it's returning. He eventually agrees with bringing the title back, but he says he's got an idea of his own. Therefore, at Judgment Day, Triple H will defend the world title against Big Sexy Kevin Nash. Yay! <laughs> Sarcas sarcasm, sarcasm. Like, I'm not being funny. I'll get, I'll get to it now. Like, Big Kev, I know you're a bit of a, a, bit, a big fan of Kevin Nash, but... You know, uh, we saw what Scott Steiner did. That was rubbish. Uh, we saw what RVD did. RVD did, you know, he put up a good a good fight. But Kevin Nash, he's only got about three or four moves. Um, so I don't know how, how that's going to make it entertaining. They're going to have to make it gimmicky. They're going to have to have gimmick matches. That, that's all I'm going to say. To make it more interesting for me as a, a wrestling fan. Yeah, no, I have to agree there because it's not... Kevin Nash uh, versus Triple H is not one of them that's going to bring you a 60-minute classic. Do you know what I mean? It's not going to be a Benoit angle. It, it's going to... You, you can guarantee it's going to involve... Jericho's going to get involved somewhere. Michaels will get involved somewhere. Possibly at the All of Evolution. There's going to be sledgehammers. It's going to be one of them affairs. It's not going to be a straight-up uh, wrestling match for, for 25, 30 minutes. Hey, Mike. It's good to be here tonight. Before I start off on a little tirade, I want to send a special thank you out to Linda McMahon because I was sitting at the house and the phone rang and she says Stone Cold and I said what? This is Linda McMahon. You want to be the co-general manager of Raw? And that was an easy question to answer. I just got the phone a little closer to my mouth and said Linda. Oh, hell yeah! Oh, hell yeah! The co-general manager! And at first I said, okay, I'll be the co-general manager. I'm just going to kind of take it easy and just kind of cruise in and just make a low-profile deal. And I said, well, hell. Uh-oh. 
I kept thinking about it. And I kept thinking about it a little more. And I said, well, why don't we go out there and make us a low-profile deal? I ain't never done nothing low-profile in my life. Isn't that, that right? Yeah, not his nature. Certainly not so, his nature. as a treat to myself, tonight, right here in the middle of my ring, oh. I'm going to throw the biggest damn beer bash in the history of Monday Night Raw. What? I'm going to have a beer bash. A beer bash? Wait a minute. <laughs> I'm going to drink about a case of beer. No, I'm going to drink about two cases of beer. No, I might drink three cases of beer. Oh, my gosh. And it ain't just going to be a party. This is a Stone Cold Beer Bash. Stone Cold Beer Bash. Now, okay, enough with the celebrating and patting myself on the back. Before drinking since 316. <laughs> Let's get to the business end of this. There are a lot of things that were done when uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin was sitting at the house and a lot of things I didn't really agree with. A lot of things I thought, I thought were uh, really stupid ideas. One of the stupid ideas was when uh, some jackass abolished the Intercontinental title. What? The damn Intercontinental title has been one of the most important titles I've ever won in my life. And it got abolished? So, one of the things I want to mention tonight, and it's going to be one of many probably, is that Judgment Day, there will be a battle royal. Uh-oh. And the winner of that battle royal uh -oh. will be the new Intercontinental oh. Champion. Oh. oh, the Intercontinental title's coming back. Rattlesnake making his presence known right away. Not wasting any time, that is for sure. Now, all you got to do to enter this contest, if you were a former IC champion on Raw. You think they like their new co-general manager here on Raw? Well, thank you very much. But if you're a former IC champion on Raw, then you can enter this tournament. Winner of the Battle Royal will be the champion, and that's a judgment day. That's a judgment day. That's a little bit down the road. I wanted to do something right here tonight. Oh, boy. <laughs> I thought you was going to be something good. Something that should have been done a long time ago. Austin says that he likes the idea of Triple H and Nash, uh, and they actually said that they like each other for a minute, and Austin says he has one more idea. Actually, he's hired somebody. Austin says, I ain't got many friends in the WWE, so I went and hired my good buddy, the best damn announcer in the history of pro wrestling, with this big fuck-off smile on his face. The fans immediately get the idea and react with the massive of pop. And then big old JR comes out, a big grin on his face, and Bischoff fires JR almost immediately. And then it turns into a brilliant little routine of, he's hired, he's fired, he's hired, he's fired, <laughs> until Austin puts his hand over Eric's mic. Uh, he says he's trying very hard not to lose his temper, drawing a massive response from the crowd saying, lose it, lose it, lose it. Uh, which you'll start to notice, so I don't know if you already have over the next uh, couple of weeks up to Judgment Day. Um, this lose it is Austin's new little catchphrase that he's trying to get in. We've had the what's, uh, and now we're on, we're on to lose it. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Lose it. Lose it. Like, like, M like Eminem. Every time Austin looks like he's about to lose it. Go crazy. Just lose it. <laughs> uh, Austin, he says he has an idea. He says, let's settle it with a match between himself and Bischoff with JR's job on the line. 
Eric says no, because Linda wouldn't like it, and it's routine time all over again, as they, they pick off back and forth, back and forth, on whether Bischoff is scared or not scared. Uh, Chief Morley then steps in and says he's willing to wrestle on Bischoff's behalf against JR. Uh, Austin to Morley, <laughs> I think you're extremely stupid. JR isn't a wrestler anyway. So, who could Austin do to get it? And then Lola stands up and goes, pick me, pick me, pick me! <laughs> so, we have got Jerry Lola versus fucking Val Venus. And the, the best thing, the best thing from this whole segment was the reaction on Molly's face when uh, Austin set the match of Lola to face him. It was like, Chief Molly looked fucking so scared. When did Jerry Lola suddenly turn into fucking Brock Lesnar? <laughs> uh, maybe it's because... I don't know. Uh, Jim, 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 I can't get my words out. King is, I think, the way that they want to portray Morley with King saying he wants to fight him. The reason why he looks so scared is to make it a bit more interesting because you've got to think about your opening match on Raw. There's got to be a bit more excitement, you know, towards it. Like King special. Special breed of wrestler, isn't he? He pops up every now and again yeah. and gets involved in matches. So, like, maybe they're trying to make it a bit more exciting with him having that shocked look, look on his, that scared look on his face. I don't, maybe, yeah? I, possibly. We get on to our first match then. It is Jerry Lawler versus Chief Morley. Uh, we've got the coach now on commentary. Uh, Lawler takes Morley down at start with a, a couple of clotheslines and a drop kick. A quick pile driver gives Jerry the two, but he misses a middle rope elbow. Uh, Morley rolls some suplexes and hits his own middle rope elbow for two. Jerry fights back again and Eric trips him up, drawing the referee outside to present Austin from fucking killing him. The money shot is loaded up, but JR shoves him off, setting up the middle rope fist drop to give JR his job back and to get Jerry Lawler the victory. Uh, I just, I don't know. It's, I, I still, I, JR for me, yeah, he's a far better choice than, on commentary than coach. Uh, so let him get back to where he belongs. But I, I don't want the um, Austin feud to kick off in the bad way uh, and for me they could have thought of something a bit better to do than, than have it revolve around Austin's little best buddy JR I don't, yeah. I don't know what that could have been obviously <laughs> but I don't know yeah I just I, leave, leave fucking JR alone that's basically what I'm saying leave JR alone I'm sick of JR and it gets worse for him once uh, towards the end of the year I don't want to spoil too much but it gets fucking terrible for JR towards the end of the year Oh, yeah. Yeah, I th if you're talking about what I think you're talking about, then yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, gets very hot for JR. I think it's just a tad. <laughs> just a tad. So at the end of the match, um, Eric Bischoff, he slaps Chief Morley and storms off. Uh, Austin then calls Coach into the ring and congratulates JR. And then he stuns Coach. And being JR and King, being the little faces that they are, just carry on cheering <laughs> with Austin after Coach is laid out in the middle of the <laughs> ring. Nobody wants to check on their friend. We are back live in Halifax, the most unusual situation just a few moments ago. Stone Cold Steve Austin rehired JR. However, Eric Bischoff and Stone Cold could not agree on that decision, so they've made a match. Jerry the King Lawler will go one-on-one -on -one with Chief Morley. If the King is victorious, JR will be rehired. If Chief Morley is victorious, then JR will be fired for good. Ah. So here we go, Chief Boy and the King one-on-one, -on -one. and when you think about it, what a, what a great situation for everybody. It hasn't been since since JR and the King and, and Mr. McMahon teamed up that they've had a quality three-man booth, and uh, this would be, be a great situation for me to sit between both of these men if the King can somehow beat Chief Morley. Oh, King, big clothesline, followed up by yet another. 
We are live in Halifax, and what an explosive beginning we've had tonight. Oh, huge backdrop as Stone Cold Steve Austin trying to make his mark as co-general manager right off the bat. And the King is on fire. This crowd completely behind Jerry the King Lawler. Here's a cover. One, two. Oh. Chief Morley is able to kick out. And JR obviously didn't want to quit five weeks ago, but nearly forced into it by, by general manager at the time, Eric Bischoff. But, but now Stone Cold Steve Austin, who's been friends with JR. Huge backdrop by Chief Morley. Friends with JR for years. Has rehired his old friend, who, as Stone Cold said, the best announcer in the business. There is no disputing that. Oh, King. Oh, King has Chief Morley open. I don't know how in the world that Chief Morley was able to do that. King, in a little disbelief of his own, but continues on. Now going, nobody home, going for the big elbow. And Chief Morley rolls out of the way. A lot of pressure right now, squarely on the shoulders of Jerry the King Lawler. Knowing how much is at stake, his former partner of years is just minutes away if, if, if King can be victorious from being rehired and reinstated back here to the announce booth. And now Chief Morley, a couple of suplexes, and, and now you got to wonder if, if there's going to be any ring rust whatsoever with, with the King, who, who doesn't compete all that often. Uh-oh. Chief Morley now going up top, trying to size up. Oh, going for the big elbow, and is able to nail it. Oh, no. Here's a cover. Hook the leg with the over. The King is able to kick out. Morley can't believe it. Neither can Bischoff. The King in a world of hurt right now and looking on a ringside Stone Cold Steve Austin and a very concerned good old JR. JR's career is on the line in the hands of his broadcast partner for so long, Jerry the King Lawler. This crowd now chanting for the King, desperately wanting the King to be victorious here tonight. And King in the corner of, of JR and Stone Cold as they root on the King. And now big right hands to the kisser of Chief Morley. You gotta believe that Eric Bischoff would like none, none other than to see JR go home, be fired forever, and get one leg up in this Stone Cold Bischoff era as it kicks off here tonight. Oh, and Eric Bischoff grabs a leg of, of the King. Charles Robinson did not see it. Here comes Stone Cold, not about to let Eric Bischoff get the leg up. And Chief Morley DDT'd the King, and, and Chief Morley is, is doing whatever he can for the Bischoff administration. Here comes the money shot. Oh, but JR! JR punches down! Chief Morley as he was going for the money shot. And the King now on the middle rope and lands perfectly on Chief Morley. Here's the cover. One, two, and he gets the win. JR has got his job back. JR helps himself. His career is reinstated. And thanking the King, and rightfully so, JR eats and breathes this business. Chief Morley not pleased whatsoever.
but JR is ecstatic. Stone Cold is ecstatic. You, you let me die. Oh, you, you can hear Eric Bischoff right there telling Chief Morley that he let him down. And leaving Chief Morley out here. And, and there goes Eric Bischoff. Oh. And Eric Bischoff is irate at his chief of staff. What? What? Coach, oh buddy, you've been doing a hell of a job. I thought you might want to come out here and be the first person to congratulate good old Jim Ross on getting his job back. Hell of a job, Jerry. Hell of a damn job. And what a damn one. Look at you guys. Hell of a damn announced team. Jim Ross, the coach. The King, Jerry Lawler, one of my favorites. But you know, we got a little problem here is that uh, we got three of you guys and uh, turns out, never mind. did a good job. Good to have y'all on board. Good to have y'all on board. I, I changed my mind, we only need two. Why? Why would his son coach? Like, really? There's no need. There's no need. It's Austin. He's done people he's... just for fun, doesn't it? It's just fun. It's just fun. Because he gets a pop. It gets a pop. I think that's the thing. It gets a... No matter who he stuns, when he stuns, where he stuns, it always gets a pop. Austin could just turn up on Raw next week. Just come out, opening segment, stun a fucking fan, right, and fuck off back to the back, and he still get a massive pop. I suppose, yeah. I suppose. He's a good guy. Coach is a good guy. He didn't deserve it. I, I'd like to see Coach back, to be fair. I always always was a big fan of the coach, especially heel coach. We'd give it a couple of months when we, when we start oh, yeah. heel coach. It's absolutely brilliant. So we go backstage, uh, and Eric Bischoff, he fires Chief Morley. Austin comes up and says, Bischoff can't do that without his permission. You can't fire him as Chief of Staff. Morley all pumps up saying, yeah, that means I'm still the Chief of Staff. Austin goes, hell no, you're fired. <laughs> then walk away. <laughs> We get a recap of Goldberg destroying everyone in sight last week, and tonight he gets Christian. Scott Steiner and Test, they have a pose down in the back. Oh, Test, why did you miss that fucking roar? Look what they've done to you. Right, look what they've done to you. They, 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 they give you a bird who was going to wear T-shirts with your fucking slogan on testicles. It was, it was going well. Things were looking good. You missed that roar. You get booted off the pay-per-view, and look at you now. You're fucking teeming with pop-up dump. <laughs> yeah, I... Uh... You know, Tess, 
I feel like in this whole experience of podcasting, I just feel like I've been on such a roller coaster ride with Test. I hated him, then I liked him. Now I just feel sorry for the guy. I actually genuinely feel sorry for him. I do. I do. And I, 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 I generally do believe a little bit of me. Uh, I feel sorry for Steiner, as I've said. I, I think it's it's one of them. and it, it, it annoys me to say it because I never want to... Um, I never want to kind of jump on the bandwagon of the Triple H, the burial. I know we joke about it, we've joked about it for quite a while, but it does still really mean, or seem, sorry, that if you are in that main event run with Triple H and it goes wrong, and for Steiner it went fucking diabolically wrong, that's it, you're <laughs> done. You are literally done. There is no more ch chances in the main event, there's no more opportunities. Like, look how many years, how many years it takes for Booker T to get a world title around his belt, around his, around his waist. Jesus Christ, yeah, so that's... It's three, three years? 2006? Four years. Four years? It's, do you know what I mean? From, from his feud with, with Triple H. It's just, it's horrific. And look at Rob, Rob Van Damme. Rob Van Damme doesn't get a, a good run for fucking ages. Well, no, he doesn't get it until the ECW One Night Stand, does he? Yeah. So, and that's a, that's a good couple of years. So it's just, it's, uh, you have a go with Triple H and it doesn't work out in your favour, then back to the mid-card you go. So up next then yeah. it is... Our Raw Tag Team Titles, we've got Rob Van Dam and Kane versus Big Popper Dump and Test. Test kicks Steiner by mistake and it's a choke slam into a five-star for a quick retain of the titles for Rob Van Dam and Kane. Uh, we go backstage, Austin hangs up a picture of himself in the office and has a few hundred beers delivered. Bischoff says that we can't afford this, but Austin doesn't want to hear it. He's in charge. He has a desk being brought in and he shoves over Bischoff's couch to make room. Um, I love the idea that they have the same office every week in, week out, and they just travel to arena to arena. So it's like, at the end of Raw, the removal man comes in, right, load up the couch and the tables and everything, onto the next city, and then they get to the next city, and then the same city comes out and it all gets loaded into the office. Yeah, that is quite, it's, it's surreal. You've got, a, what other jobs have a moving office? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Can you think of any job in the world where you would have a moving office? Yeah, but it depends what, what you, you work classify as a moving office. Because like, if you've got a laptop and you just work from a desk, anything can be a moving office. But yeah, well, what, what they've got to be somewhere. I, I need to do some research. Like, I want to find and somebody. There's got to be a job out right there where you have an office, where you have your couches and your settee what, and, you and your TV. You have to move city your, to city every single week. You have to move. Yes. There must be. There must be a job out there like that. Oof, I don't know. Over, o city to city. Otherwise, we've, we've discovered, like, have we just discovered that WWE are the only company that have a moving office? I think we might have just discovered that WWE might not be real. Don't tell anyone. Oh. <laughs> don't say might, that. We might have just discovered that WWE might not be real. Don't, don't, don't say that. That might not be real furniture. Do you know, the thing is, though, Austin and Bischoff might not actually even have to work in an office. Really? The, the, two, the two of them actually might be. I don't know. I don't know. So don't take this as gospel, but they might be paid, paid performers. They might not actually be managers of anything. Just saying. I'm just going to put that out there. Oh, I don't know. I, don't, I wouldn't want to hurt anybody's feelings about talking about this sort of... Talking about this sort of stuff, Dave. <laughs> so, we'll move on then. It is time for the highlight reel. And the spelling of the highlight reel is now correct. It's no longer H-I-L-I-T-E. It's now actually highlight how it's spelled.
And Jericho is instantly beloved in Canada, as to be expected. Uh, Jericho wastes no time in entering himself into the Battle Royal, which he promises to bring home to Canada. He also takes credit for winning the six-man tag at Backlash. And here's a clip of the ending. Then we see Kevin Nash chasing Triple H off last week and shattering the limo window with the sledgehammer. Uh, which, again, he should have used his fist, as we discussed. Uh, this brings out the guest, which, of course, is Nash himself. Nash gets all serious and shouts that Triple H is a dead man. That brings out the second guest, which is obviously Triple H. Uh, Nash tosses Jericho without much effort, but Jericho sneaks back for a low blow. A loud chair shot to the back looks to set up a pedigree onto the chair, but Nash backdrops his way to freedom. Uh, they slowly brawl to the floor as this kind of keeps going and going and going. Nash misses a chair shot, but sends him into the steps instead. Uh, the steps then go off uh, Triple H's head, which brings a bit of blood. Why? I'm sorry, it's Monday Night Fucking Raw. Save it for the pay-per-view, Paul. Yeah, there's no need for it. You don't need that much blood. You don't need any blood on Raw, uh, unless it's like a... F I don't... You don't need no, blood on Raw. unless it's a feud. Unless it's Gangrel and his fake blood, you don't need blood on Raw. Or Ric Flair. Yeah, but Ric Flair, just, he, he wakes up in the morning and he met, puts kettle on, drops a couple of slices of bread in toaster and then blades. That's just, that's just Ric Flair. Uh, and then we get a belt shot to the head for good measure. Kevin Nash carries on to beat up some referees, but Triple H hits him in the ribs with a pipe. Uh, an electric light to the back keeps Nash down, uh, but he's up fast enough to take the fight to the back. Uh, even more slow right hands keeps Triple H down until a monitor shot drops Nash. Some agents come in and Nash sends Triple H into the side of an ambulance. Uh, Triple H staggers across the street and steals a car to escape. Uh, now, if you start the clock... <laughs> If you start the clock, when Triple H first touched Nash, this was over eight minutes long. Which, spoiler alert, might actually be longer than their pay-per-view match. That's... Um, I've got no words for that. An eight-minute... Like I said, going back to, you know, if they, have, if, they have, if, they have, if they have a match, it has to be a gimmick match, you know, to make it more interesting. Because it's hard as fuck all they can do without being inside a cage or something, or... Having a stretcher or, I don't know, barbed wire around it. I don't know. Something like that. Make it more interesting because I'm not being funny. Kevin Nash in any match is not exactly the most exciting. No, not all. And what you've got to think about as well is the last two weeks you've had Kevin Nash and Triple H go to the back where he gets in a limo and Kevin Nash smashes limo with a sledgehammer. And then this weekend, it's been like a brawl to the back featuring hardcore, various hardcore weapons. Um, so you've not kind of had any just one-on-one -on -one interaction where punch, punch, kick, kick, pedigree attempt, uh, powerbomb attempt, do you know what I mean? You've literally, every single interaction they've had, it's ended with weapons and carnage and blood. Yeah, absolutely. Boring. It also reminds me of the time when Kevin Nash comes back in 2011 um, with that stint with Triple H. It's more, it's more the same. It's just a... In 2011, it's like a rehashed version of what's going off now. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I totally agree. And just Kevin Nash was probably moved the same speed in 2011 as he did in 2003 as well, to be fair. Um, so we go backstage yeah. and Chris Jericho, he's smirking at the chaos uh, when Austin comes up behind him. Austin sees Jericho as a main event player and next week gives him Kevin Nash. Thanks. Right, uh, I, see you as a main, <laughs> I see you as a main event player. I think you're going to be the star. So we're going to give you a six-month program with Scott Steiner. Oh, cheers, pal. Nice one. Appreciate it. <laughs> so up next it is Booker T versus Lance Storm. Uh, Storm takes Booker down in a hurry, and it's uh, off to an early sharpshooter, making Storm probably the most popular man in the world for about 10 seconds. Uh, back up, Booker scores with some forearms and a sidekick. 
The spinner Rooney is broken up with a super kick for a very close two, but the axe kick gives Booker the fast pin, um, which, to be fair, Lance Storm shouldn't have been going over Booker T, but this is exactly what I was saying, um, where you've got Booker T, who was in the main event with Triple H, who was in the six-man tag, and look at him, now he's on Raw fighting Lance Storm in a meaningless match. He's not going yeah, anywhere. and that's... I mean, <clears throat> on paper, Booker T versus Lance Storm, to instantly, you think, oh, this is going to be shit. And uh, then, like, when you you actually think about it, Lance Storm and Booker T to go in the ring should be a really good match. It should have been, but they didn't give, to be fair, it lasted a mere matter of seconds. Um, Lance Storm, like I said, apart from the sharpshooter, and that was purely to get the pop because we're in Canada, um, nothing else really, Lance Storm didn't really get much offence in. Like I said, there was a super kick in there, but it was that was very much a, um, this is, I, 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 to be honest with you, watching it, it was purely a time-filling match. That's all it was. You didn't look out and think, well, they, they're doing it to make Booker look strong, because I don't think enough time was given for anyone to look strong or weak or whatever. Um, it was purely just a, to get from backstage to next backstage. So we've had, we've had yeah. this is a lot of backstage heavies, this segment. So we do, we go backstage yet again. Uh, with the cameraman perving the shit out of Stacey Keebler. And as he bring the camera up Stacey's legs, we see that she's bent over. How fucking classy! How classy! <laughs> now, I'm sorry, did Stacey Keebler not realise that there's a cameraman behind her on the floor with a camera scooting up her shirt? Uh, skirt, even. Yeah, but it's... Mate, I'm, I, I'm not going to complain. I'm, I, I'm on behalf of Mike. Um, <laughs> I think uh, that that's something that we would very much appreciate. Because Stacey Keebler is fucking hot, man. She is ridiculously hot. She is. And two people that also have a fan of, uh, fans of Stacey Keebler are uh, the two Bellends in shit shirts, as uh, Sylvan and uh, Renee, they turn up. And they try to hit on Stacey, they're stroking her face, um, stroking her arm, stroking her hair. What is it with Vince and his fucking creepy, messed up fucking personality? Oh my gosh! Excuse me. Don't be afraid, mademoiselle, we're just here to talk. Talk? I saw what you did to Scott Steiner last week. That was self-defense! That's right, he was mocking our country and our culture, we're just defending our honour. By the way, your team really dropped the ball tonight. How often you have to fight for the tag team championships? They said you not understand. Why do you align yourselves with such egotistical maniacs anyway? Did you say egotistical? <laughs> Come on, guys. And Scott Steiner, the whole puppy. <laughs> Listen, Stacy, we're just here to offer you a proposition. Picture yourself a beautiful, sexy runway model with two brave young French stallions like ourselves and beautiful that's right but Stacy think about it when you watch our match tonight that's right Stacy take the time to watch our match tonight and Stacy remember ne pas peur pensons sérieux René la résistance is next I don't understand <laughs> I don't get it he's just a Perverted man, uh, and he must have. This is why I want to know. As a child, right? Maybe something triggered him when he was a kid. Like this is quite dark saying this, but something must have triggered him when he was a kid to make him so sadistic and think that having uh, somebody have sex with somebody in a coffin that's dead is a good idea. Do you know what I mean? I think that something when he was a kid must have happened to him to make him a, a wrestling genius. Or maybe it's just all the drugs he's taken throughout the years. It's like what? Cocaine? Oh, oh, fucking hell. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. I bet Coke's are big, and I bet him and Hogan used to snort Coke off Ucker's tits back in the 80s. Guaranteed. Absolutely. 
hundred fucking percent. I, I think I, I, I honestly believe when he was a kid. I don't think it's the drugs. I think it's when he was a kid that made him the way he is. Everybody's got a bit of psycho in them, Dave. Everybody. No, yeah, I, I've always said that. I think everyone's a psychopath. It's just about, yeah, I it's think... just about getting that psychopathic instinct out of you. Yeah, I think that Vincent Mann is borderline psychopath. Oh, hell yeah, hell yeah. So we move on then to our next match. It is the two Bellins in shit shirts, otherwise known as La Resistance, versus the dream team of Spike Dudley and Tommy Dreamer. Uh, Spike starts off here. Woo! <laughs> I know, yeah. It's like, again, what the fuck? Spike Dudley and Tommy Dreamer. <laughs> ECW wet dream. Uh, so the match starts. Uh, Spike, he starts on Dupree's arm and arm drags Grandier for a bonus. A low bridge sends Spike outside and we hit the chin lock. The fans are way behind Spike and Tommy as Spike fights up and gets a headbutt to the ribs. A DDT slash neckbreaker combination takes the French guys down, but Dreamer gets sent outside, setting up something like, like it's like a double spine buster to end Spike. Uh, which, for me, it was quite a dull match. It was purely there to get resistance over and give them a win. Um, I don't like that finisher, the double spine buster. I think it needs to be a little bit more, they put a bit more thought into the finisher, I think. Yeah, I don't, you know, there's too many people that do spine busters. It's a transitional move. I think they need to, uh, to a transitional move. Two or three three podcasts ago, we discussed this. Like you got to wrestling. Like they, you can't. There's going to be an end to it eventually, where they can't invent any more new moves. Yeah. So like the, a spine buster, that's a Harley Race move. That's a Triple H move. And I also like it's Batista move. That's they're the three people I know well, that I do good. It as, I class it as not. Oh, on, and, on and Ron Killings. Well, I'm on Anderson. Oh, they aren't double A spine buster. There's no finer, no finer spine buster. The uh, yeah, oh yeah, obviously he's not. But I also what about Farouk? Mm-hmm. Ron Simmons spine buster. That's meant. Yeah, when Farouk did his spine busters though, he kind of held you in the air and then used both hands to slam you down to fucking mat. <laughs> it was like, oh, you would have, you would have never. Wanted yeah, which one would you not? Well, you would have never wanted to fight Farouk and Bradshaw at any given moment if you were a, a job tag team in the, in the... I think if we were going to look at which spine muster you probably wouldn't like to take the one that probably hurt the most, I'd probably go Farouk. That, yeah, absolutely. The, the Farouk spine muster, man, that, that's that hurt. Just, it's awesome to look at, but but taking it... Uh. Yeah. So, uh, post-match, uh, La Resistance, they're beating on Dreamer until Scott Steiner and Test make the save. So, are we now looking at Ugh. are we looking at America slash Canada versus France with Steiner and Test, your new fucking fanboy face team on the Raw brand? Well, I'm I'm really confused because Test used to be in the um, on Americans on Americans. Yeah, he's stand by. So this makes like, no sense whatsoever. Test would stand by people like the um, like the uh, the La Resistance. Oh my god, it makes no sense, man. I'm not. It's just now it may, it may well it makes sense to put Tesla and Steiner together, but to, for this very reason, I suppose. Yeah. But yeah, and it sounds very boring. This like Law Resistance versus Scott Steiner and Tess sounds shit, man. You <laughs> it sounds it, fucking brilliant. Yeah. No, there's, there's no way that you can yeah. hype that up either. Um, we go backstage. Uh, Eric Bischoff he calls Linda and wants to change things. He doesn't want to resign, but he does hit on her for some weird reason. Uh, Linda hangs up over him. Well, it seems like Eric Bischoff's got a new love interest in his life. Would you? Would you, Shaka? No. Even without money? No, no, she hasn't got any money. Just a no. plain Linda McMahon. Would you have to? No. No. <laughs> <Not> even... <laughs> Do you not think she was hot, hot back in the day? No, I was just going to say, yeah. not even back in the day, no. 
Not with that stupid fucking haircut she's got going on. She's always had it, the same hairstyle. She's had the same hairstyle since like the 50s. She's one of them people. I would. She's one of, oh, you're, you're, cause you're sick. Like, we've had this conversation, like, you, you've got a soft spot for Asuka, and I don't see that. I don't see oh, she's, Asuka, she's, like the She looks like the female Funaki. I'm all right. I'm all good. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> moving on. We then get Christian backstage. He doesn't want to hear about Goldberg tonight because it's Canada night. And tonight, Goldberg's losing streak begins. Imagine if that would have been a thing. Christian goes out, beats Goldberg, and then for the next six months, Goldberg's on. Three... Oh, oh, and 300. Oh, and 400. Just massive losing streak for Goldberg. Kurt Hawkins level losing that streak. That would, uh... I was literally just about to say Kurt Hawkins. Have <laughs> you seen his new t- Have you seen the new t-shirt that they bought yeah. out for him? Yeah. Absolutely fucking genius. Like, that's, that's brilliant, if you ask me. I think oh, it's brilliant. Yeah. He's making money out of losing. He's making money out of it. That's the thing. Kurt Hawkins couldn't have asked for a t-shirt when he returned. Do you know what I mean? He's now got a t-shirt and... For doing what, really? For losing. I think he's perfect. Why not? He's getting paid a lot more than fucking we are. I, I, can you see, see that Kurt Hawkins isn't now... Now he's got that T-shirt, he may eventually get a win. I think oh, he's going to get will. a big win. Oh, of course he will. It's it's like anything. MVP. Like MVP. Remember yep, when MVP couldn't get a win and yeah. eventually got a win? Oh, I, I think... I, I just see think, that them going with that. I just think maybe that we may see... It, well, it depends, isn't it? Because it depends what what they look at with Hawkins. Because is Hawkins just still going to be the job guy? Um, so are we just going to have him come out every week and say, oh, that, this week I'm going to win, this week I'm going to win? Uh, and then does he maybe get a fluke win against a star at some point and then that builds a programme? Strowman. Watch it. Watch. Oh, It'll happen. Could you imagine he gets Str- A quick roll-up gets Strowman. So our next match, we'll move on. It is for the women's title. It's Trish Stratus versus Jazz. Towards the end of the match, uh, Stratus faction connects, but Victoria comes in to offer a distraction, allowing Jazz to get in a belt shot to retain. Uh, JR and King, they hype up Austin's beer bash through the graphic, says, beer party. Someone needs to fucking get the fucking facts right when it comes to these graphics. Raw's graphics at the minute really annoy me. They've not updated, as I said at the last um, episode of Raw, they've not updated the Raw tag titles graphics yet. And that, it's a tiny, them little things in life. Do you know what I mean? It's them little things. But anyway, we move on. Yes, it is. It is Christian versus Goldberg. And Newcastle United Goldberg is finally fucking here. What is up with them half white, half black fucking shorts he's got going on? I like him. Really? <laughs> yeah, I like him. I think that he's going, he's going for a bit of a change, isn't he? He looks like a fucking idiot. Maybe... Maybe he's conscious, that's why. It looks like a fucking... He's, 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 it looks like a fucking zebra crossing. Maybe he's conscious of his body, I don't know. Getting a bit older, isn't he? Oh, so he has to, so he has to wear an extra inch of fucking lycra on his leg. No. I'm not I'm not with it. I'm not happy. Right, this is just stuck to Goldberg that we know. It's like, imagine Stone Cold coming out wearing red pants. It just... It, it's not Austin. Goldberg... Goldberg was... W, WCW's Austin wearing all black. Mysterious killer. And now they're bringing him out looking like fucking Alan Shearer. No, not happy. Not happy. But Rico and Three Minute Warning come out. Uh, Rico says that the three of them are going down there, one by one, of course, to take Goldberg out. Christian just kind of disappears as the trio hit the ring and gets beat down. Goldberg spears the Samoans down, jacks out, jackhammers Rico um, for the pin. And I didn't realise this was a match. Who sanctioned it? Where was... I don't understand. Um, it was supposed to be Christian. But anyway, uh, Goldberg... Playing with the mid-card again. Again, the lack of the Raw main event is affecting Goldberg. He's just toying with three-minute warning. He should be in the main event. 
It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I, yeah, it makes it makes no sense at all. Like, I said, unless they're trying to like build him, then maybe they're playing around with him uh, to see where. See, maybe because he's, he's Goldberg, he is he's, he's very, very green in terms of like wrestling maneuvers. Mm. Maybe they're just like trying to, rather than thrust him straight into the main event because Kevin Nash is already there. Maybe they're just trying to like test the waters with him, see what he's capable of. Well, maybe, maybe, but I, I, for me personally, I want to see him in in some storylines. I want to see. I don't want to see the. Goldberg come out and just battle all the mid-card week after week after week. I quite enjoyed, granted it was a very small program up to Backlash, but I quite enjoyed the uh, the, the uh, Rock Goldberg program because it had a little bit of, just a little bit of story in it, a little bit of emphasis on why they're fighting at the minute. It just seems like uh, nobody's happy with Goldberg on the, on the, the mid-card are not happy with Goldberg, so the mid-card are trying to take out Goldberg. So, and that's never going to happen unless... Next week, Christian gets a fluke win over Goldberg, but Goldberg's not going to lose to a mid-carder. No, absolutely. No, 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 no. He, he won't. He'd never lose to a mid-carder, but I, like I said, I think they're just playing with him and just seeing what he, he can do. I don't think the Obviously, there's going to be a payoff. We know Goldberg eventually. We know what happens for him. So... We'll have, we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see. Um, so, Christian, he pops back up and uh, hits Goldberg with a chair um, before running through the crowd. Goldberg grabs a mic, but Austin interrupts. Austin's ready to drink, but Goldberg has a problem. He wants to get his hands on Christian. So next week, another match uh, is made between the two, but this time inside a steel cage. A ton of beer is brought out and a bunch of fans around the <laughs> ring to drink as well. This just keeps going on and on and on until the show ends. And it probably carried on into the middle of the night. Um, but for me, Goldberg is already completely overshadowed by both Austin and by Nash and Triple H. Um which is, it's going to be treated like the biggest deal in Raw, no matter what. It's, it's Austin Triple H, uh, Nash and Triple H, sorry. Um, it's going to be treated as the biggest deal on the brand because it's A, it's Triple H, and B, it's Triple H. Um, but for me, for that episode of Raw, <laughs> bland again, it's, it's, there's not, there doesn't seem to be any emphasis on anything going forward. It's just a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit there. Um, like you had the, the beer bash ending the show. I, that, I don't get it. What's that? What's that going to help me going forward with Judgment Day? It's going to come down there and splash you right through the mat! So Christian, I advise you to get out of the ring. But I promise, I'm already out of the ring. you can have whatever's left after three minute warning is finished destroying the myth of Goldberg. Men who got pissed. 
physically dissected by Goldberg last week for getting their retribution. Where's Goldberg? What an explosion. Just saw his life perhaps pass before his very eyes. Oh no. Now he's standing. Look at that. Oh. Christian, can, you can't run from Goldberg. Where is Christian? Oh my God. Look at Goldberg. He is a fighting machine here. And Goldberg, look at the strength. Into the jackhammer. The jackhammer. Here's Christian. And Christian for the guy. Oh, behind. What a steel chair shot. Cheap shot. And I think Christian learned that from Rock. Where's he going? Where the hell is the new people's champion going? It won't do you any good to run. You'll just die tired when Goldberg gets his hands around your neck. Uh oh. Christian! Christian! Now what? Christian running like a stone of dog, and here comes Stone Cold. Oh, wait a minute, they are. I said Stone Cold Steve Austin's gonna drink some beer tonight, so I'm here to drink some damn beer. Stone Cold's gonna have a little beer bash and I said I was gonna come out here and drink some beer. You got a problem with that? Uh-oh. I said Stone Cold Steve also was going to come out here and drink some beer. You got a problem with that. Oh, JR. Hell yeah! I got a problem with that. Oh, JR. Here we go. No, I think I know what your problem is. I think you want to whip that son bitch's ass. You just come out here and hit you with that steel chair, Christian. So being who and what I am, co-general manager of Raw, how about next week on Raw, I make Goldberg versus Christian. That ain't good enough. Well, then let me go you one better. Since the son bitch just hit you with a chair and then ran off, how about we make it next week so he can't run off? I make it Goldberg versus Christian, no holes barred, in a steel cage. Oh my God! In Philadelphia? Are you kidding me? There's a smile. A smile from Goldberg. That dog will hurt, buddy. Oh, that dog will hurt. I got some damn beer to drink.
You know what? I think that the Raw in 2018, so to speak, now um, they've got it. They've got it right. They know what they're doing with what they need to be doing on certain hours. Uh, obviously, they have Monday Night Football as well, um, so they have to like get in all their really important stuff first. Yeah. So they're, 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 it's like they're doing it in reverse, don't they? They do it in reverse now, sort of thing. Um, so like, I think they need to maybe do that. Like here in 2003, they need to maybe get all the important stuff out of the way at the beginning, then have all the like not as important stuff at the main event. Yeah, um, no, no, I get you. Well, obviously, it's, it's still it's still important, but you know, get all get all your views in right at the beginning. Get Nash, get Goldberg, get everybody in the first hour and a half hour, and then you can just have like the the mid carders at the end, so yeah. they get like the spot on them as well. No, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, shall we get on then to the um, final stop of Raw's before we lead on to Judgment Day? So 12th of May, we're at the first Union Centre in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, Christian is inside the cage to start things off. Uh, he says that this match doesn't need to be taking place. No one wants to see the new people's champ get battered and bruised. And on top of that, he has an important photo shoot tomorrow and shouldn't come in all banged up, which is a fair point. Uh, this brings out Austin to say that there's nothing like the feeling of a good old steel cage. Uh, Goldberg isn't even here yet, but the match is still on. Uh, Christian saw Austin in the back earlier and was told he was on first. It was actually a different finger, and Austin repeats it here. Hmm. Uh, Christian, he thinks Austin might be jealous of Christian being friends with The Rock because it was The Rock who beat Austin at WrestleMania. We get Austin's new, I'm trying very hard not to lose my patience catchphrase, which is not really working out. Uh, instead, he threatens to take Christian out of the Intercontinental Title Battle Royal, but RVD interrupts. RVD's going to be in the Battle Royal, but Christian thinks Rob should fight Goldberg instead. Uh, that's not cool with Austin, so Christian asks the fans for a Christian rules chant. Austin, that silence means <laughs> you suck. <laughs> Which is a fucking brilliant line. Um, he's not cool with the material being ripped off and threatens a stunner as well. This brings out Kane to enter as well, though Rob threatens to eliminate him and win the title. Austin, he likes the tension and thinks the way to cure it is another beer bash. Austin's got a serious drinking problem. Someone needs to approach him about this. Now it's Bischoff who comes out to interrupt and says there won't be a beer bash tonight. Instead, he has some challenges for Rob Van Dam and Kane's tag team titles. That. A team that may be one of the best, if not the best, tag team in the history of our industry! What are you talking about, Dave? <sighs> what? Oh, wait a minute! You gotta be kidding me! Oh my god! It's a legend of doom! It's Hawking Animal! Where did these guys come from? Well, Bishop is damn sure true to his word because he has raised the bar. And what a surprise! Holy fucking shit, it's the Legion of Doom. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. How, like, how did they get... Is this like a one-time deal with Legion of Doom, or do you reckon... What, what do you think? Well, I... At the time, it wasn't supposed to be a one-time only deal. At the time, they were actually supposed to be brought back in to give the, the tag team uh, division a little bit of oomph. But there was a little bit of a problem. Now, at the end of the match... Um, Hook, he receives a choke slam and then a five star 
to obviously give the match to RVD and Kane. And then Hawk is quicker on his feet than RVD and Kane are to get him back up. And Hawk is out of the ring. He just jumps up. The minute the free count's gone, he just jumps up, jumps out of the ring, and he's back outside consoling himself on the loss. Crack on. Great selling there, Hawk. And because of the, that lack of selling, uh, apparently all the boys in the back, uh, all the management, were absolutely screaming, yelling, sell, sell, because Hawk was no-selling a lot of RVD and Kane's offence. Um, now, while the WWE had recently been in business for giving second chances to former superstars like Sable and Roddy Piper, um, the LOD, basically, they fucked themselves over straight away on their return, uh, literally by Hawk not willing to sell and at least stay down until RVD and Kane have celebrated the win. Yeah, we discussed this before, haven't we? We have discussed this. Um, I'm just thinking, like, did, do you reckon he, he was purposely doing that, or do you reckon he just forgot? I really, really don't know. Um, I, I just think maybe he, yeah, he just, just thought, well, I've lost the match, let's roll out of here, because I don't know if that, how he thought. Well, what you got to think about is this what I was thinking about when I was watching it. Hawk and Animal, back in the day, they didn't really lose that much. Hmm. So I don't know. Are they not used to reacting or how to react when they lose? Do they think, oh, let's just get out of the ring and then let the faces celebrate? Yeah, it's uh, it's quite it's strange to think what was going through his head. I think maybe he got he got overcome with the you know all the excitement of being back in the ring again, and then and just completely forgot to do it. I mean, imagine being hot going backstage after that match and trying to explain yourself. Ah, oh, you've no chance. You have no chance. You have no chance. Which <laughs> is which is hence why um, the the return only turns into a one night only deal, and unfortunately we don't see the Legion of Doom again for a bit. Until Hiding <laughs> Reich. <laughs> it, it, it sucks, really, because it's it's a Legion of Doom, and you'd think that maybe they would have a little bit of power backstage, a bit of a swing backstage with all the stuff that they've done and how how credible they are. You'd think that maybe that they'd be like, all right, just don't do it again. But maybe. But I always, I always saw the Legion of Doom, though. The Legion of Doom weren't Vince's creation, and they were never Vince's creation. And Vince purely bought the Legion of Doom in because he didn't want uh, Jim Crockett or WCW, whoever you want to class it as at the time, to have them. Uh, what you got to think about is when the Road Warriors were massive in the old, uh, back-in-the-day Jim Crockett promotions, um, WWE or WBF, they had their own versions. They had Demolition, and then they brought the Powers of Pain with the Warlord and Barbarian. They had face paint and stuff. And um, so I think it, the only reason they brought the Legion of Doom in, well, Road Warriors, when they brought them in, transferred them into the Legion of Doom, that was purely because, well, I don't want anyone else to have them. So I don't, I, mm. I, I kind of do agree with you with the power, but if it was WCW, then yeah. But I don't think they have as much power as people think they may have in WWE. Because they were never WWEs, they were never Vince's creations. Mm. Yeah, we put that, I didn't realise that actually. You, you're, you're more... You're more into back in the day, aren't you? Yeah, you I'm know older. more about that sort yeah, of I'm stuff old. than I do. Yeah, I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we get this short version of last week's way too long brawl between Triple H and Kevin Nash. Um, Chris Jericho and Kevin Nash, they insult Philadelphia sports teams and discuss co- <laughs> discuss torn quadriceps. Um, Triple H says Jericho skyrocketed. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, Triple H, he says that Jericho skyrocketed to the top of the wrestling world because he tore uh, Kevin Nash's quad. anyway Triple H wants Jericho to injure Nash tonight Goldberg arrives uh, in a long black limo which is so out of character for Goldberg 
Um, absolutely, yeah. Absolutely is... so out of character. Uh, and then somebody tries to run him over, but only hits the door. Hmm, wonder who that could be. Fucking three-minute warning, trying to run over Goldberg. It's Rikishi. <laughs> Again, he did it for the rock. I did it for the people. Uh, Teddy Long, he tries <laughs> to talk Austin into giving Rodney Mack a spot in the Battle Royal. Um, you need a man of colour in there. Austin agrees, and he gives Booker T the spot instead. <laughs> Which, now, I'm sorry, former IC <laughs> champions. When did Booker T ever hold a former... Right. If you want, to, if we want to go down that route, former IC champions, yeah, give fucking D'Lo Brown a phone call. Say sorry, D'Lo. I know we released you, but yeah. come back, pal. We've got an IC championship battle royal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, I don't know. And then it is time for. No, no I agree. I agree. It's got to be. It's got to be. I it's WWE trying there's to. No logic. There's no logic. Pull the, in pull, the, the in there. pull the cloth over your, your eyes. Is, isn't it? That's yeah, what WWE do all the time. Exactly. And it's just, it's, oh, fuck off, Vince. <laughs> Simple as. Um, so <laughs> our next match it is another week of the random white boy challenge. It is Rodney Mack versus Ken and Mike Phoenix. Um, so Ken is better known as Kenny Dykstra or Ken Doan. Um, it was a 17-year-old um, youngster here. Uh, obviously, Kenny Dykstra goes on to be known as a, in the Spirit Squad, which we're going to encounter in a little bit uh, down our time. And then um, Mike is his real life brother. Uh, Rodney Mack, he throws them around to start and plants Mike with an STO. Uh, a Cobra Clutch knocks Ken out, but Mack uh, throws him down before the match is stopped. A second Cobra Clutch on Mike uh, is good for the quick tap, uh, which was, again, it, we've spoke about this. They're, they're kind of pushing Rodney Mack in this Ryback sort of aura way of coming out every week, beating up random fucking nobodies. We'll have one last week, this week it's two. Uh, we're going to have next week, it's going to be, uh, after Judgment Day, it's going to be like three, triple, and then quadruple white boy challenge. When does this, when does it stop? When's there an end goal? Well, what is the end goal for Rodney Mack? What has Rodney Mack got to offer? That That is my, my biggest gripe. What has he got to offer? Look at him. Look at the way he's dressed. Look at... It, just look him. He's not. A, he doesn't scream superstar to me at no. all. No, I don't. I don't know what they see in him, and I don't know what they see. At, he's in ring. He's he's very green in the ring, and he, he's 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 going to injure somebody, which is a bit like Ryback. But like I said before, Ryback, he had something. He had star quality. He looked like a star. Rodney Mack does not look like a, a star to me. I can't ever see him being heavyweight champion of the world ever. It just never. There's, there's no, there's no marketing to him. Either. No, no, he isn't. He can't market. Who wants, who wants to wear a Rodney Mac T-shirt? Really? Who? <laughs> Not me. Me. And if anyone's got one out there, send it my way. I'll wear it. Uh, so we, we go backstage. Uh, Bischoff. He runs into Freddie Blassie of all people. Uh, Freddie is here to plug his new book. Um, Rico comes in and asks if Bischoff has any, any ideas how to fix three-minute warning. Uh, Bischoff has an idea and sends Rico off. He tells Blassie to meet him inside for something that he has in mind. Uh, Blassie, <laughs> what are you going to do? Hang yourself? Which is fucking brilliant. <laughs> I, was, I always loved Classy Freddy Blassie. Uh, obviously, RIP. Um, one of the greats. And for me, Classy Freddy Blassie, I always remember the during the invasion, uh, where he did his little speech, his rallying speech for the locker room, and he stood up out of his wheelchair. It was like, fucking come on, WWF. Oh, he got me so pumped yeah. up, did Blassie. So pumped up. Um, Austin comes up to a livid Goldberg and asks him what's up. He knows what it's like to be hit by a car and ask if Goldberg saw the driver. Uh, Goldberg didn't, but he says he'll take it out on Christian tonight. Uh, Blassie comes out, but Bischoff cuts off the big introduction and sends Mrs. Blassie to the back. 
Uh, Eric plugs the book and asks Blassie how old he is. Um, Freddie says 23, but Bischoff thinks Blassie is about three more minutes. Oh, dear. Exactly. Uh, Oh, dear, they're not. Oh, they do. Uh, Bischoff wheels into the ring where Rico and the Samoans are waiting, but this brings out Austin to say that one of his new big ideas is to unsuspend the Dudleys. So another tag team, Austin, I'm all down for this now. He's brought back the IC title. He's bringing back tag teams. Fucking yes, keep going, Austin. You're doing a cracking job, son. Cracking job. So it is three-minute warning of, um, versus the Dudley boys. The bell rings, which would suggest a match, but there's no referee, so that doesn't really mean anything. Uh, three-minute warning are quickly dispatched, and Freddie get uh, the, the greatest line, the greatest line. Quickly dispatched. They go to set up the Devon, get the tables, but Austin, ooh! And it passes the mic to Freddie Blassie, and Freddie Blassie goes, Devon, get the tables! It was fucking brilliant. Absolutely huh. brilliant. One 3D through the table later, uh, and the beer is consumed, so again, we have another little bit of a beer bash with Austin to end the segment. And then it is time for our cage match. It is Christian versus Goldberg. Uh, we're inside a cage, but Christian also brings a chair for protection. It turns out to be the same chair that The Rock used to beat Goldberg down a few weeks ago. Uh, Christian throws the chair at him, which goes well as you'd expect. The beating then is on in a hurry as Goldberg slowly starts taking him apart. Some chair shots get Christian out of trouble, but he can't get over the top just yet. Christian misses a spear of his own, and he bounces off the cage. So Goldberg can slowly walk around some more, and then we see a little bit of blood. Oh, we've got more blood. And what a blade job. One hell of a cut is running down, uh, and the blood's flowing down Christian's head. Yeah, he's, he's done a good job there. I like uh, I like a bit. Of, I, see, like this is the argument you had earlier about is should there be blood on Raw? This should, it's a cage match. Definitely it's be a cage blood. match. In a steel, uh, yeah, I, in a steel cage match. In a steel match. cage match, I'm all down for it. But just on a random fucking backstage segment building up to uh, to pay per view, nah, we don't need blood. We don't need blood. Um, we get a power slam from Goldberg, uh, spear and jackhammer ends Christian without too much effort. Um, Christian's cut, he looked good, uh, but Goldberg, um, this was more like himself here. Uh, we didn't really see much, it was, wasn't was even six, seven minutes long. Um, there was really probably no reason for it to be a cage match, but again, that, that emphasis on uh, the destruction that Goldberg can do, especially when he's locked inside a cage. Um, but yeah, for me, Goldberg, it's nothing at the minute in WWE, uh, and that it didn't make it any better. Again, it's just, what's Christian? What's Christian? Christian was a running buddy of the Un-Americans. He was a tag champion. He was then Jericho's bitch for a bit. Christian's kind of lost in it. He's in a little transitional period himself now. And yeah, I don't know. For me, Goldberg, I need to see improvements. Um, obviously, we've not got a match booked for Judgment Day for Goldberg. So after, after Judgment Day, I want to see improvements. I want to see Goldberg now going to the upper echelons of the roster. I don't want to see him battling with three-minute warnings and the Christians in the world no more. No. Uh, Rick Flair, we go backstage. He sucks up to Austin and reminds him that Triple H runs Raw. Uh, Austin isn't convinced, so here's the hurricane to sing Kevin Nash's praises. Rick Flair yells, but Austin tells him to shut up. Let's have a match right now, starting in the back. It's Rick Flair and the hurricane. Um, you know Flair isn't going to wait to suck a punch to the hurricane. The fight is on in a hurry. They slug it out a few seconds before heading into the arena, uh, with the hurricane being knocked over the announcer's table. They fight into the ring. And Ric Flair's pants come down because that's <laughs> always a funny moment, isn't it, Vince? Um, it is a hilarious. And a high cross body, not really. Uh, <laughs> a backdrop and a high cross body gives Hurricane <laughs> two, and there's a choke slam for good measure. Uh, Hurricane adds a strut and the shining wizard, which is a beautiful move for a close two. Ric Flair gets the chop block though, and a figure four puts the Hurricane away. 
Um, for me, I wasn't quite sure the point of having the Hurricane in gear, losing clean to Ric Flair in street clothes. Um, but they've done a lot of fucking dumber stuff as late, so who am I to complain? Yeah. Uh, Triple H has to come in to make Ric Flair break the hold, and he finishes it off as Triple H would with a quick little pedigree for good measure. And then our next match. Um, you want to talk mid-carders getting thrown together so there's no fucking reason? We have got the team of Scott Steiner and Test and Goldust versus two Bellens in shit shirts and Christopher Nowinski. This is... I, I don't understand what, what, what's the gold dust and the Nowinski. I don't get the. It doesn't make any fucking sense. Uh, before the match, uh, the two Bellens they rip on America for being warmongers and claim Nowinski is the exception of the rule. Uh, the brawl is on in the aisle until it's test hammering on Granier in the corner. Goldust comes in for an atomic drop and power slam before handing it over to Steiner. The push up elbow wakes the crowd up a tiny little bit, but then it's back to test who gets beaten down. Um, in very short order. Uh, Nowinski, he grabs the arm for a few seconds before it's back to Steiner as everything breaks down. Uh, Goldusty cleans house and it's the reverse DDT slash slop drop that gets the victory, ends Nowinski. Look at Steiner with this new finisher. It is destroying <laughs> and wiping out fucking everybody. Indestructible Steiner. Well, the tag division's a mess though, isn't it? Let's be fair. Uh, we've got Test and Steiner. They aren't really interested in the team. You've got Larry's Resistance, uh, the Evil foreigner team, they're as simple as an evil foreigner team you can find. Uh, it doesn't help that you can pretty much guarantee that the French guys are going to be tag team champions soon enough. Um, I just don't, what's this? It's constant, let's talk about the Iraq war again. Do you know what I mean? It's like, oh, America wore this, America wore that. Can I please have a foreign tag team or foreign gimmick who doesn't say, look at America, look at you, you, you fight battles, you war, you, you're this. Is that, can we not have a foreign team that have got a different angle? Like what though? Like what? What I sort don't of angle? Fucking no. Any, oh, anything. The, the foreign team, right? That fucking. Yeah, the, 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 the only one that's worked. For, what was for his me, name? The, the only ones worked for me what? are the ones that are mysterious. The ones like Umaga. The ones that are from places that you don't even know where they're from. Like they're the only ones that can really work without involving war. Because you can't just come in and go, oh, we're two French guys. So what's your backstory? Oh, we're we're from France. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's got to be, and and to be fair, it's 2003. That's that's the hot topic. This it is, is the era is of topic. Iraq and war, so it, it works with the fans. It gets a rise out of them. It's something for them to get behind. They don't want the Iraq uh, hating French people to win. So yeah, no, I, Iraq, I'm with, I, Iraq's, Iraq supporting French people, not Iraq hating. The Iraq war hating French people. Yeah, you know, I'm, I mean, you know, I mean, they, it's just, it's, and I understand why, and I, I'm completely, I'm, I'm with the reason why. So I'm, I'm happy with them being like that. So we'll move on then to our next match. It's Trish Stratus versus Victoria, and it's a hardcore match in Philadelphia. So here's Tommy Dreamer to cancel out Stephen Richards. Um, the guys get into a fight on the floor, leaving Trish to score the pin with a kendo stick shot, followed by the Stratus faction. Um, there was nothing to see as usual, um, but that seems to be the case with most of the women on the roster. Uh, we've seen them all fight so many times, including these two who had the same kind of match about six months ago. Um, they need some fresh blood in the worst way possible. Um, they, it seems to me they've just kind of covered everything they can possibly do at the minute with Trish and Victoria. Um, they've thrown Jazz in there, they take Jazz away, they push Jazz in, take her away again. We need some fresh blood in the women's division slash divas division. 
Yeah. And the problem is, 99% of these fucking spots that they do in these weapon match are fucking sloppy. They're, they're disgustingly sloppy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You need new people in there. You need some, some fresh women, or at least bring somebody back to freshen up a little bit, make it, be make it better than what it is, because... Speaking to you now, just reading through our notes, I would say that I completely forgot about the women's match until we've just started talking about it. Yeah. That's how bad it is. They are. It's, but that's the same case every week with these women's matches. It's the same case every week. That you get a little five-minute match at most. Um, there'll be a couple of really bad sloppy spots and a finish. Yeah. This is why it's the, the, the whole aura and i've said this since the moment we started recording these episodes the whole aura around how amazing trish stratus is is the biggest load of bullshit in the world there is nothing don't get me wrong and i said that and i said after wrestlemania that she has improved she's improved massively from where she were when we first started at vengeance 02 she's moved massively but she's still not this and i still don't i don't see it even in like two three four years time i don't see trish stratus as this amazing woman's wrestler that everyone always hypes up i've never seen it no she's not she, she's she was good for her time but you get her again put over somebody like ask her yeah, she, like, you, get... like you said she was good for her time look who she had around her at the time at the it's fucking there's nobody is there no i, I think probably victoria's probably the best wrestler on the roster they've got at the minute and that's really not saying much because victoria in 2003 is still not the greatest don't get me wrong she she very vastly improves um, but she's still not the greatest. None of them are. Smackdown's got it right. Smackdown's got it right. We don't need them to wrestle. We need them to fucking neck on with each other. <laughs> yeah. At this point in time, yeah. Smackdown's yes. got it dead right. Let's get on then to our final match on the final stop of Raw before Judgment Day. It's Kevin Nash versus Chris Jericho. Uh, Jericho tries to jump Nash at the start but gets swatted away by Nash's cat-like reflexes. Um, right hand to the head drops Jericho, so Chris starts getting going after the leg, which Triple H totally inspired, of course. Um, Jericho changes it to an elbow and gets kneed, um, kneed to the floor. Now, I'm still I'm still trying to figure out why I'm supposed to care about Nash. Um, I love, as we said, I love Kevin Nash. I'm a big, I was a big, big diesel mark, but I'm still trying to work out why we should all give a fuck about Kevin Nash in 2003. Um, a chop block cuts Nash down, um, but you can't fault Jericho's logic. Uh, the leg is wrapped round the post as Nash gets in on the side slam, as this match is absolutely killing the crowd in a hurry. Um, like you said earlier, um, I think this match shouldn't have... Maybe I would have had the Goldberg-Christian match as main event and had this earlier in the card, maybe at the start. Yeah. That where, so you, people can kind of get over it and forget about Kevin Nash for the rest of the episode. Thing is, it's uh, two hours. Raw is two hours. Raw is two hours long, and you've got to. I mean, God forbid it's three hours now, but back then it was two hours, and you've still got to try and keep the fans interested. When it gets to you know an hour and a half, you've sat there watching wrestling. You know you're gonna you're gonna be bored, and to stick Kevin Nash on at the end, I'm sorry, it's it's not good. They need him at the beginning. Yeah, no, that t totally, absolutely, totally agree. Um, towards the end of the match then, um, Jericho hits a bulldog and a lion salt for two. But there's a big boot from Nash, which draws out Triple H and Flair to come in for the DQ. Though the bell doesn't actually ring, which was quite bizarre. Um, the fans are absolutely not caring about Nash, uh, but that's never really stopped them from going in a certain direction before. Uh, Jericho was really trying and the leg stuff was fine, but there's only so much you can do when the fans don't care in the slightest. And there's only so much you can do when Kevin Nash's legs are legitimately fucked. So I suppose you've kind of got to be very careful on what offence you do do on the leg um, mm. to cause any... I know, obviously, it's all fake. 
what they say, but it's, you don't want to cause no injuries, do you, really, in the long term? You don't want to fuck him up. Um, oh, well, I'm good the final roar before Judgment Day, and you fuck up Kevin Nash so he can't fight Triple H. Um, Shawn Michaels then runs down to help, and the good guys clean house with Shawn counting pins to end the show. Um, so that's it then. That's Raws. We've had Austin and Bischoff uh, scrapping over who's going to be in charge and having beer bashes. Goldberg playing with the mid card. Um, Nash Triple H feels like this story's been in slow motion. Jericho could be doing something else. Michaels could be doing something else. What a fucking weird three weeks that was. Yeah, it's a very, very weird three weeks. and It looks like they're, they're a bit lost at the minute, which it always does seem like they're lost on Raw. Whereas SmackDown, I, I think that SmackDown always, for me, I find SmackDown more interesting. I don't know why, I just find it more interesting. I just think they know it's got to be do with the writers. Well, we've, we've spoke, we've mentioned this before, haven't we? I think it, I think it maybe is the writers, or it's just the fact that on SmackDown, it's not always the emphasis on the star of the show. Like on Raw, and we've said the Raw, Triple H is the star of the show. Um, and everyone knows this. Like even it's, it's come to a point now in storyline where Bischoff walks around telling people that Triple H runs the place. Um, so it's like, tri whoever's involved in Triple H, you are going to be the stars of the show. You're going to be in the main event. You're going to be the focus. Everybody else is just there to make up the time. Whereas SmackDown, everybody, every storyline, every whether it's mid-card, whether it's tag team, they seem to get a lot more focus. Like, look at the minute with the tag team belts um, on SmackDown. We left Backlash uh, with the Guerreros stealing the belts from uh, Team Angle. Um, so shall we then have a quick run-through of the Raw matches for the upcoming next pay-per-view, which is Judgment Day. So the card for the Raw matches then. So it is the World Heavyweight Championship, Triple H, who is your champion, versus Kevin Nash. And Triple H is going to have Ric Flair in his corner, Nash with the Heartbreak Kid in his corner. We have got the return of the Intercontinental Championship with the Battle Royal with your participants. Chris Jericho, Christian, Booker T, Test, Kane, Rob Van Dam, Goldust, Lance Storm and possibly more. The world title for the women's division is going to be in a fatal four-way match. Jazz against Trish, against Victoria, against Jackie, and also representing the Raw brand, it will be Test and Big Papa Dump going up against two Bellends in shit shirts. There's nothing on there that excites me. No, not for Raw, <laughs> not, not for the Raw matches, no. Not all. Absolutely. It's, it's, we've, we've had a weird three-week transition from Backlash to Judgment Day, and you can tell, because we've got this weird now transition um, pay-per-view. Judgment Day is going to be very, very weird pay-per-view. Granted, you, you've got the return of the IC belt, so that's one positive coming out of it. Um, but from, mm. like, where does... you could, Testing uh, Steiner versus La Resistance. La Resistance, they, they should only be one team that wins there. Do you know what I mean? It'd be pointless yeah. having them lose their debut match if they're going to push them. So it's, there's kind of too many obvious winners in these. But what we will do, CJ, is I think we will leave it there for episode 22, part one, where we've recovered, covered the Raw episodes. Um, coming very, very soon will be part two, where we'll run down SmackDown with the return of... Well, the return. I want to say the return, but we don't know who's under the mask. The debut of Mr. America. Um, but do you want to let everyone know, CJ, as always, where they can find us on all forms of social media? Yes, of course. So you can find us at www.raerrorpodcast.com. That's where you can find all our episodes and much, much more special content and bonus material. You can find us on Facebook, which is uh, uh, RA Error Podcast on Facebook. And then you've got Twitter, which is at RA Error Podcast on the, the Twitter uh, for you. So we've got plenty of things you can find us on. Uh, and obviously you've you will have hopefully found us through on those anyway. So, but thanks guys for uh, yeah, you know 
keep supporting us and everything. We really appreciate it. Oh, definitely, I could not, I could not say it better myself. Uh, and there's always one of us as well. Um, I usually control the Twitter account, um, so if you ever see any bullshit on Twitter, it usually comes from my mind. Um, but there's always one of us that's on Facebook. Um, we always upload in videos, pictures. We love to be interactive, so we love the people that come on and say hello. And if you haven't, where are you? Come on and say hello. Let us know that you're listening. But we will leave it there. And until next time, I've been Dave. That's been CJ. Peace out, people. Ruthless aggression. Time to discriminate.